Well, good morning, everyone. Thank y'all. Thank you for that feedback. Man, there's a couple of house rules for some of y'all. If y'all first time guests here this morning, man, we love just being able to hear y'all. Man, y'all can clap. Y'all can hallelujah, amen, whatever it is to, to bring honor to God this morning. Uh, but like Pastor Ben said, we are excited that you're here, that you joined us this Sunday morning. And we've been in this series called Promises. Man, it's just, this is our fifth week in this Promise series. How many of y'all are enjoying this series so far? There we go. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. And this is our third week in life groups. Okay, so man, this is my life group plug. Okay, so if you haven't joined a life group, you need to join a life group. It's not too late to join life group. We lead a group at 5 p.m. on Sundays. Where's my life group family at? Yeah, there we go. All right, so I mean, life group is essential and because it does three things here at Luminous. One is where you get to grow in God. You get to be known and know others in our church family. And thirdly, you get to go on mission as God sends you to influence the places in the pockets of influence that you currently have. All right? Sounds good? All right. So, I mean, y'all have to, I need to join the group. I expect to see a new person at my house this evening. All right. Details, you can go and scan the QR code and find our address. But we've been in this thing called Promises, this series Promises. And promises, as you know, they come in many different ways, in many different forms, right? There's a variety of, of weight that comes to it, right? When you're small, when you're young, you're like, man, I pinky swear, right? How many pinky squared when you're little? Come on, yes, for the pinky square. And then maybe you, you grow up, you become a little bit more mature, and maybe almost a little bit more morbid. And it goes, man, cross my heart, hope to die, put a needle in my eyes. Okay, why do we do that? Why do we say that, right, in that promise? And then you get married. And you make this marriage, you make this vow, right? And, and this is what the promise, you, know, you make promises when you get married, you, you do your covenant to get married, but then there's promises you have within your relationship when you get married, like, you know, my wife, Tori, like, babe, and let's watch a show tonight, love. You know, let's, after we get the girls down, let's watch a show. We can cuddle on the couch and, you know, just, you know, watch a good show. And then, like, 10 minutes in, I just, I feel the breathing changing, right? As we're cuddling on the couch, I feel the breathing changing, and I said, babe, are you sleeping? No, I promise, I'm not sleeping. And then I get my phone, and I put it around her face, and I get to see her eyes completely shut. And I get, babe, what, what just happened, huh? And her eyes just opens up, right? And it's this thing, it's like, man, we fail to keep our promises. Man, that's what we do. We just fail to keep our promises that we're imperfect. Sometimes it's not intentionally, but it just happens. You know, but God is perfect in, in every way to keep his promise. He's faithful. And his promises that he keep are, are heavier. They're, they're weighter. He may, weightier. He makes these covenants with us. And in the beginning of this series, we've defined covenant to be this. It says covenant is a stronger party making an agreement with a weaker party. See, it's a stronger party. God being the stronger party making an agreement with humanity, the lesser party. And this morning, we're going to see how God responds to us when we fail to keep our promises to him. And we're going to see that unfold as we look in the Bible, as we look in the text, but then we also probably have seen that a little bit in our lives, right? And I'm going I'm to share a couple stories of mine. I'll be vulnerable and open and sharing that. But this morning, we're just going to be four ways that we're going to see God be faithful 
The first one is that God is faithful to bring us out. He's faithful to bring us out. Secondly, God is faithful to deliver us. Thirdly, God is faithful to redeem us. And lastly, God is faithful to make us his people. Now let us pray this morning. Father God, we thank you that we know that you are here this morning to meet with us. God, we, we come boldly and humbly before you to say, Lord, have your way with us. Change us from the inside out. Lord, we love you. We praise your holy name. Amen. Well, one of our, our main texts this morning is out of Matthew 26, 26 to 35. But before we get to this part in scripture, what to us is known as communion, they are actually celebrating Passover, right? Passover. And so just to give a couple, just a little context to what this Passover is. Some of y'all may be familiar with what it is, but uh, there's a lot more that went into it. And we see how this actually applies to us today. See, what we know as communion, like I mentioned, is a part of the Passover celebration. See, the disciples, they were doing this. They've done this for years, year after year. It was a part of their culture. It was tradition that went all the way back to Exodus, to Exodus. And so we see this in Exodus 6, 6, and 7. These are the four I will statements that God promised Israel that he was going to do before the Passover. Let's read this. It says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, outstretched arm with great acts of judgment, and I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you should know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Man, that is powerful. God made this promise to the Israelites, and he delivered on each and every one of these promises in the book of Exodus. See, one of the, the biggest moments right after this was, was the final plague that God would, would come in and, and really uh, rescue his people from, the, from Egypt and the Pharaoh. And we see this in Exodus 12, 3 and 4. It speaks of the final plague of the firstborn, right, where God gives his chosen people distinct instruction, very clear on what to do to be spared. He says this. He says, sacrifice a lamb without blemish. Right? Eat the flesh and, and eat that with unleavened bread. Take some of that blood and put it on the doorpost of the house. And by doing this, this blood on the doorpost will be assigned to the angel of death to pass over that house. Right? Man, it's an incredible movie by Disney, right? The, the Prince of Egypt. I mean, it's pretty accurate and for the most part. I mean, if you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. But it shows that the Passover of the house. So Passover celebrated this whole moment where God fulfilled his promise to keep the firstborn sons alive and even rescue them from Pharaoh. Now, what's so fascinating to me is that God and his character and his nature is all-knowing, right? That means that he knows all things before they even happen. And even knowing that the, the Israelites were going to start worshiping other idols as soon as they get, get delivered from Pharaoh, 
he still was faithful in keeping his promise. See, our, our big idea this morning is that when we fail, God is faithful to what he says. I remember several years ago, it was 2009, I was uh, newly a follower in Jesus. I had just uh, known my grandfather on my mom's side only for a couple years. I met him first when I was 18. Uh, a year um, in 2009, I, he ended up passing away from colon cancer. And it was devastating to me. It really hurt me to my core because I was like, man, I wanted to get to know this man that so many people talked about. The last 20 years of his life, he lived as a follower of Jesus. And I remember that day when I got the news, I said, you know what, man, today someone's going to know Jesus because, man, my grandfather was a lover of Jesus and I want to spread the good news. Yes, I could sit here and mourn, and I did grieve, but I was like, man, I want to spread the good news of, man, of his life, what his life represented, and how he influenced people. So I remember I went to the UT Austin campus, and I was there, and I was sitting, and I was there for about two hours, and I was debating, man, am I really supposed to do this? I prayed to God, and God was like, man, I, I said, God, give me two names. He gave me Matthew and Joshua. And I was like, all right, man, these are some biblical names. I said, all right. So the first person I mustered up my courage, I talked to happened to be Matthew. And I was like, man, this is so coincidental, right? Got to pray with him, invite him out to our campus meeting. And not too long after that, I talked to another gentleman, and that person was Joshua. And what I got to see is that, man, man as each time I stepped out and I, I asked God, like, man, I wanted to do this and evangelize and share my faith, I got to see more hope and faith boil up inside me because I got to see how faithful God is. What he says he's going to do, he actually does. Church, we serve a, a faithful God, and he's faithful then as we sung, and he's faithful now. He was faithful, you know, in the Passover, and he was faithful in my story with the Matthew and Joshua, and he's faithful today when whatever you're dealing with this morning, he's faithful to see you through it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians uh, 23, 26. This is a very common verse that we use for the Lord's Supper, for communion. And this is what it reads. It says, this is Paul. And this is, I mean, sorry, Peter. And this is his account of what he remembered. He said, for I received for the Lord that I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread. And when he said and given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. Everyone say new covenant. new covenant. Come on. In my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant. I mean, this is the, it's the remix, right? Like for those, the song lovers, this is the remix. He's re redefining the meaning in this moment. See, the old covenant fulfilled, was fulfilled through the Passover, and then the new covenant, it was to save them from spiritual death, eternal separation from God through Jesus. The Old Testament, the old covenant was a reminder of, of the, uh, was a reminder while the new covenant is a current status. It's a current status. It's permanent. There's no need for sacrifices anymore. This is what he's trying to tell his disciples, that you don't need to sacrifice animals anymore to get in right standing with me because it's finished with me. Once my blood is shed, this is the new covenant. You are covered. 
The second thing the Lord says to his people, that he will deliver them. See, God is faithful to deliver us. As we pick up in Matthew 26, 35, this is the, what we know as the, the Lord's Supper. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave thanks. And he gave to his disciples and said, take it. This is my body. And he took up the cup, and he had given thanks. He gave to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out of many for the forgiveness of sins, I tell you, I will not drink again for the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew of you in my Father's kingdom. From there he goes and he starts describing Peter's denial, right? It says, verse 30, they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, you will fall away because of the first of me the first night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you in Galilee. Remember that. Uh, verse 33, Peter answered, though, they all fall because of you. I will never fall away. Jesus said to, me, said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all disciples said the same. Man, I, I love Peter's passion in this moment, right? He's so passionate, and he's so, he uses so much emotion. But one thing we know about emotions is that emotions don't keep you to your promise. They don't keep you to your promise at all. It takes more than just an emotion at that moment. I mean, like, have y'all ever, like, committed something wholeheartedly, right? Just to later on, like, second-guess it. But like you believed it, though. Like you were convinced. I believe that Peter was convinced that he was going to be with Jesus to the end. I remember in high school, you know, just trying to prove myself, right? Like how many of y'all, like, when you go to high school, like you got to toughen up because you don't want to be bullied, right, as a freshman. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prove myself to my peers, and I got caught up in the wrong circle of friends, uh, I thought I was pretty tough, you know, all five foot nothing and 110 pounds, you know, soaking wet, right? Like, I was a big threat at, you know, Killeen, Texas and Killeen Kangaroos. That was my mascot. Yeah. But I'd never been in a fight before, you know? Like, here am I, I think I'm a tough guy. But I wanted to put some respect on my name. Like, I mean, y'all gonna know who I am. I didn't play sports, unfortunately, so, you know, like some of y'all know, Kevin knows that I'm not that athletic. Uh, yeah. Um, Kevin's one of our college students that we play basketball with uh, weekly. Wasn't too athletic like my cousins, but I wanted to put some respect on my name. And then I got in a circle of friends, and uh, we were playing a rival basketball team in the city. We were playing Harker Heights. You know, I have a clean friend in the, in the, here with us this morning. And so we were playing Harker Heights, and I ended up not going to that game, but I heard the aftermath of what happened. And one of the guys in our group of friends circle, he left the game early. It was a blowout. Like, man, we were just losing terribly at this basketball game. As he was leaving, he ends up getting jumped. Man, and it was brutal. He ended up getting jumped by two guys, and they used a crowbar, and they hit him in the face and knocked out three or four of his teeth. I mean, it was, it was terrible. And I remember the stories at, at school, and they were like, man, we're going to go retaliate. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to go retaliate. And then I heard what happened to his mouth, and I started second guessing immediately. He's like, man, 
I don't know if that's for me. Like, man, I, I think I'm a lover of my teeth more than I am a fighter. You know, like, I don't think, like, I mean, my teeth, they're, they may not be perfect, but I like where they're at. I like that they're in my mouth. And uh, I decided that day, like, man, I, I'm not going to be the tough guy anymore. I mean, it was a pretty quick, easy decision. I mean, I'm still friends with them from afar, but, I mean, it changed my perspective to know, like, man, that's not who I want to be. See, it's really easy to commit to something we don't know everything that it entails, right? Like, we don't know what's going to happen when things get real. And I believe this. I think, man, like, I think that like, disciples really were convinced that they were in it to the end, that they were going to be unwavering. But then it got real, right? It got real, real quick. And I love, I love to see how God just shows his nature. That he's willing to deliver us even when we fall asleep, as we see in the scripture, what ends up happening. See, Jesus, right after they made this big claim, like, God, we're with you to the end, man. We're going to ride. We're going to die. We're bad boys for life, right? He invites Peter, James, and John to pray with him in the garden. And they agree, like, yeah, we're going to go pray. But they fall asleep three times. It's like, man, they made this massive commitment, commitment in the very thing, a part of their commitment, they already started slipping up. See, they were physically present, but spiritually absent. Man, have, have y'all ever been there, church? Like where you're physically present, but you're spiritually absent. Man, that was me, like going to church sometimes. I'm like, I'm, I'm in church. I'm here. I made it to Sunday but I don't hear what God's saying. I'm busy. I'm, I'm distracted. I'm thinking about lunch. Or I'm having prayer time in my house and, or in my room, and I have started having a wandering mind. Or maybe you get to life group, and you're just distracted the entire time. You're thinking about Sunday night football. See, for the disciples, this was their big faith promise. And they couldn't even stay awake. And they couldn't even do the easy thing. And I think it's, it's funny how you, you never fall in this big, dramatic way, right, this big, dramatic moment. It's usually a series of very small moments, right, that catch up to you, that you can't really get back on track. And you end up saying, like, man, how did I get here? Man, how did I get this far away from God? Man, what happened? But we see this, that we see that when we... When we fail, he's faithful to what he says. See, I'm, I'm reminded in verse 32, it reveals Jesus' response. And this is what he says. He says in Matthew 26, 32, he says, But after I'm raised up, I will go before you. In the NLT version, says that I will meet you there. In other words, he's saying, man, after you scatter, after you deny me, after you break your promises to me, guess what? I'm going to come to you. Man, I'm, I'm going to come to you. And going back to what God told the Israelites in Exodus, he promised to redeem his people. That is who he is. He is the redeemer. God is faithful to redeem us. So we see what happens that afterwards. We see the disciples go back to their old way of living, right, what they were familiar with, fishing, right? They go back to their old occupation. It was their guilt. It was their shame. 
that pushed them to a place where they did not feel qualified to do what Jesus called them to do. And we see in John 21, 5, Jesus fulfilling his promise to come to them. The resurrected Jesus, he said a couple verses earlier that, hey, I'm going to come to you. He's fulfilling his promise right here. And he's there. Jesus shows up back at the bank, back at the place that he met them three years prior. When he called them in the ministry, he's back right there. And he's in that very same place. And I love this. This is just a quick side note. I, I, when I was reading the scripture this morning, I was looking over it. I, if you're looking for application this morning, this is it. It's join a, a, a life group. It's someone that has joined a life group. This is very important. This is key to understand is this, is that you notice although he was talking to Peter, yet the disciples were still there listening. He came back to them. He reinstated them. He put them back in their purpose. There's a them that you need to be connected to. There's a part of you that God is calling to pull you further, but he needs you to find the them, the people his people to help you. So the one that you can have confirmation of that. And secondly, you can have community as Jesus launches you into your purpose. You need those two. See, don't you love that Jesus doesn't just leave you where you're at? And he keeps pursuing you. He's persistent. He's relentless. He doesn't give up. He loves you. He loves us. John 21, 15, 17 shows the conversation between Peter and the resurrected Jesus. It starts off in verse 15. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon and Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You notice how Jesus doesn't respond by saying, hey, Peter, here, here are five, you know, uh, five ways to not make a mistake in the future. Right? Like, here's a self-help book, to, you know, to help you out to not to do this all over again. Or he doesn't go, hey, Peter, man, you blew it. Man, I'm going to find someone else. Like, I'm, I'm, I wasted my time on you, Peter. Or he doesn't define him by his shame. See, the enemy is the one who uses guilt and shame to drive us away from God. It's him. See, guilt and shame is what provides the entryway for the enemy to hinder our trust in God. See, this is what guilt says. Guilt says, I've sinned too much. It's too late for God to save me. Shame says that I'm not worthy enough for God's mercy and grace. But we get to see what Jesus actually does. We see how he actually responds. We see his nature where he doesn't tell him what he did wrong, but he goes to the heart. 
straight to God. Because when you have a continual, a cycle pattern of sin in your life, you don't have a sin problem, you have a heart problem. And Jesus makes it so simple. He makes it really easy in this moment, instead of going all theological and going about like, hey, man, do you remember the very first commandment? Do you remember this? Do you remember this? He goes, hey, 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 man, do you love me? Man, do you love me? And we see two things that God does when we can't keep our promises here in this text. His goodness leads us to repentance. And then he restores us to our purpose. See, he didn't change his mind about Peter. And for you this morning to say, man, I love you, Lord. He hasn't changed his mind about you. And God is faithful to redeem us. In just a moment, we'll we'll do communion together. But before we we do that, I want to pray for two groups of people. I think it's very important for us as we are going to take communion and remembering what God has done to really have a right posture to actually take the Lord's Supper. And if you mind standing with me, thank you all. And these are the two groups of people that I, I want to pray for. The first group are those who are needing to repent to God. Man, I, I really believe that God is saying to you this morning, son, daughter, your, your guilt and your shame have kept you away far too long. Far too long. Come back to begin in walking in the purpose and the plans and promises that I have for you. And for the second group, this, these are for those who haven't yet put your faith and, and trust in God quite yet. But the Lamb of God has sent his son to save you from eternal separation from him. And church, what I want to do, I want to say this prayer together. It's short. It's really short. And it says this. It says, Lord, I'll read it first. Oh, there we go. Just repeat after me. Lord, we thank you that there is power in your name and there is power in your blood. I repent for my sins and for not coming to you and my failures, but turning to other things. Lord, come into my heart today and make me new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, and you, you met it, you, you met it this morning, you, it was something that came out of the heart. Man, we're going to have altar workers here after service. Key words, after service. To pray with you. And what we want to do, we want to celebrate your decision to follow Jesus, but we also want to discuss next steps with you. This is important. To do life in community. At this time, if you have not received communion and you need the elements, go ahead and raise your hand, please. Some usher will come and, and give you the elements. You know, when I was growing up in church, I used to think that my communion was a, a snack reward for those who went to church super early on Sunday. 
right? My dad would force me to go out of church, leave church, and get there at 7 a.m. We weren't able to get breakfast. I was like, man, this is my reward for coming to church super early on Sunday. Like, man, we got grand prize. We are awesome. But what I didn't know, what I was completely unaware of, was the significance and the power in communion. See, we know that communion is, has been done several different ways and actually been done in, in, in different frequencies as well. Some churches do it weekly. Some do it once a month. Uh, but what I love about Scripture is that Scripture doesn't say, like, hey, how often to take communion. It just mentions that when you do it, you do it a certain way. I'm going to read this quote by Pastor John Piper. But what I love is that, man, this last point is that God is faithful to make us his people. And that's what communion does. Pastor John Piper stated this. He says, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to receive from Christ the nourishment and strength and hope, that joy that comes for feasting our souls on all that he purchased for us on the cross, especially his fellowship. I'm going to read that one more time. The, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to receive from Christ the nourishment and the strength and hope and joy that come from feasting our souls on that he purchased for us on our cross, especially fellowship. And that's fellowship with him. That he makes us his people. See, a common word or another word from communion is Eucharist. It comes from the Greek word to, to thank. And that's what we're going to do here in, in just a moment. We're going to thank God. We're going to thank him for his sacrifice. And Lord, we, we thank you for your body that was broken. Lord, we, we thank you that when we weren't good enough, God, that you were faithful to call us into purpose. You were faithful to call us into repentance. God, that you're a good God. This moment, Aaron and Tori are just going to sing the, the beginning of this song as a reminder of who God is. And then we'll take communion. And as we read in 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 26, right, it says, For I received the Lord, but I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At this moment, you may take of the bread. Verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. At this time, you may drink up the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you remain standing, we're going to sing the rest of this song. At the end of the Passover meal, it was, it was very common at that time that when the Last Supper took place, that Jews would sing a Hallel, which is a song of praise. In Matthew, Jesus and his disciples sing a hymn after the Lord's Supper. We see this in Matthew 26, 30. They had the Lord's Supper. They sung a hymn, and they went to the uh, Garden of Gethsemane to pray. So let's sing together. 